Today, I want to bring your attention Pastor to the. Pastor Sheldon? Yes. Uh, can I just a minute? Just okay. a minute. Okay. Uh, the team and I, we were working really hard all week and, and stayed up all night last night, and we just wanted to make sure that we could help um, communicate with everyone. Right now? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, communicate with what we're about to learn. Right. So, because it's to simplify. Yes. So, I thought that if the team we get together and we do a study on the human brain, we might be able to, to figure it out. And so, we okay. did some research. And it's okay. very exciting. Hi. 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 And um, it's functions. And I found that the central nervous system or the CNS is made of the brain and the spinal cord and the peripheral nervous system yep. is made of nerves. Mm -hmm. Isn't that exciting? Yes, it Together, is. Together, they control every part of your daily life from breathing and blinking. Yeah. Right? Right? Yeah. Okay. To helping you memorize facts for a test. Mm -hmm. uh, nerves reach from your, uh, your brain to your face, your ears, eyes, nose, and even your spinal cord. Right. And uh, from the spinal cord to the rest of your body and to your phalanges. Yes. Okay. And the sensory nerves gather information from the environment sent. Yeah. That info to the spinal cord, which mm -hmm. then speeds the message to the brain, which we all know mm -hmm. that the brain then makes sense of that message and fires off a response. Right. right. Okay. So speaking of getting on my nerves... We're talking about simplicity today. We want to be simple. Oh, we yeah. Just but, but that's not the best part. The best right. part, the motor that neurons the part. deliver the instructions from the brain to the rest of the body. Come the on. spinal cord, made up of a bumble, bundle of nerves running up and down the yeah, spine, is similar to a superhighway sending you, uh, messages to and from the brain at every second. And I just love that because it just makes it all so simple, doesn't it? Doesn't that help with the. It sends the message. I'm tired <laughs> from listening, but, but this is so good. I appreciate all the hard work, <laughs> such good work, but we're trying to be simple. Can we just keep it simple today? Let's just, let's just be very, very simple. I, I know all the hard work you put into it, and you look like you're, you're being a little discouraged, but don't be discouraged because all of, all of right now, like, like right now, your neurons, right, with the CNS, it's not going well right now. Attention. Yes, I was paying attention. He was, so he right now, it. the motor skills that you're using right now, which is good, um, we got to save for a later time. We're just going to be simple today. Just simple. Is that okay? I didn't even that's get to the part of the... all your hard work. The cerebellum and the mandula, but that's okay. <laughs> better get her some decaffeinated coffee. My goodness. Simple today. Check your medulla ablangara. Okay, I want to bring your attention to our, our bulletin real quick because we're going to talk about simplicity today so you can take out your notes. Putting these people nowadays, I don't know. But we talked a little bit about our Connecting Sunday. And let me just give you the reason why we're, we're calling it Connecting Sunday. We're, again, we're trying to simplify things. And what we've noticed is for those who are new and they want to learn more about our church, we would have our... Connecting with the family after third service, but they would come to first service or second service, and so they didn't have the opportunity to come after third service. So our Connecting Sundays, is what we're calling it, uh, has been changed from Connecting with the Family. Same purpose, but just done a little bit simpler. In other words, after each service that you attend, we're going to take about 15 minutes in our fellowship hall uh, for those who are new that want to learn a little bit more about our church. Uh, and we're going to take that time to talk about who we are as a church, what we believe, as well as the vision of our church. And we get to meet you as a new person. I, I love meeting the people that come here. 
we really can't meet like this. Like I could say hi, but I can't really have a conversation with you and or your children. But on a Connecting Sunday, we can do that. And all together as a church, we can do that. It doesn't mean that only I, as the pastor, uh, uh, need to meet everyone. It's all of us as the family of God embracing people that come to know him as well as people that attend here so that we as the family of God can show the love of God. And so after every service on a Connecting Sunday, uh, we'll be in the fellowship hall and then we'll get to be with the new people as well as some staff members and we get to meet you. And some people had questions about our children's ministry, but because it was after third service, they weren't able to see what takes place in our uh, children's ministry and, and things like that. So now with the Connecting Sunday, they get to see everything in action and live as we go. And we get to eat breakfast together and just hang out for a little bit. So our Connecting Sunday is going to look like that. And so we're no longer going to have our connecting with the family after third service. We're going to have connecting Sundays, and it's going to be after every service. You don't have to attend all three, just it, there's one for each service, okay? Does that, is that clear? Does that make sense to you? I want it to be uh, a time where we can gather together. So you can, if you're new and you fill this out, you're going to get a letter that says when the connecting Sunday is, and then that will give you time uh, to really think through. Uh, some of you are thinking through, is this going to be my home church? Is this where we're going to attend? That will give you time to think through maybe some questions that you may have or even some concerns, and then you can bring it up there. And it's a smaller environment that we get to talk uh, with each other, and we get to know each other better that way. Also, I want to bring to your attention our air conditioning fund. Some of you are wondering, okay, where are we at with that? And our total that we need is $90,000. Right now we're at $22,000. And so we gave for a certain season. And some of you just need a, need, a, you need a heads up on where we are. And it's in our bulletin every single Sunday. So you can take a look there and, and where that is. So Heidi and I will keep continually giving until we hit that 90000 mark. Uh, and I don't know, we might still give after that for, you know, maintenance, work on it, whatever. But we're moving in that direction because what we're finding is uh, each service takes a lot to cool down. Especially now we're in our summer months or dawn, you bring your fans, so that's smart. Uh, we just try our very best to cool down. But it, it's very expensive because of electricity for the units that we have to just keep going. So we, had, we, we got different units, and it'll help us with our uh, air conditioning. Uh, some people have breathing problems. We want to make sure they're in a good environment. Uh, some people, because it gets hot, then it, it causes them to uh, get distracted because, again, health, they're thinking of health, even asthma or those that are affected by the fog. Uh, all, all of this comes into play. We really want to think through how we can take care of people better. And so that's where we are. We're at 22,000. And so we're praying that we would, that God would speak to our hearts in how we can give towards the air conditioning fund. And I thank you because this is over and beyond your tithes. So for those who are giving, I thank you. For those who God is speaking to right now, there's, there's opportunities to give. One is when we pray over the offering and the tithes, that you would just write it in the envelope and just designate it to the air conditioning fund. And, or if you do our... Uh, New Hope app, then you can go to the area of giving and then you can log in the comments section, air conditioning fund, and then it'll be designated 
towards that, okay? So I just wanted to bring your attention to that. And today we're actually concluding our series, It's Time. Uh, I was gone for about 15 days, which accumulates for a Sunday, gone for almost four Sundays. And that's too long for me. I was just going like, I got to see people, I got to see people. So it's good to see you today, and it's good to be home. Heidi and I went to uh, California for our Foursquare convention. We have that every year, once a year. And it's just where we gather together together as a denomination. Uh, We have delegates around the world that come to this convention. And we just talk about Jesus, what Jesus is doing around the world how impactful this church is and all the different four-square churches and the, the district of Hawaii, of, of the different four-square churches in Hawaii and around the world. And we get to see the global picture of what God is doing. So you are making a big impact around the world. And don't just think that we attend here and then that's it. Your prayers, your support, and all of that is helping people find Jesus Christ. And we live in a world that we're toward the end times So we don't have time to mess around. We really want people to come to know Jesus Christ so that in the end when he does, when Jesus does come back, the family of God will be with him for all of eternity. So we only have so much time and we all want to work together to reach the lost or reach people far from God, one relationship at a time. Today as we talk about simplicity, uh, that's what we're trying to do even on our trip, you know, trying to... Uh, go to California, and then we also went to Portland to visit our son Jordan. So we took some time just to almost like unwind because we need that from time to time. All of us, we need to almost like slow down for our soul so that our soul can be replenished. We try to simplify so that what is, so that we can eliminate the unnecessary things in our lives so that the necessary can live. And Jesus is the one that's going to teach us today how to live a life that is simple. He's the best example. If you look at his life, he would give us the best example to live or the best way to live when it comes to simplicity because we can become complex people. We don't drift towards simplicity. We actually drift towards complexity. We make life more complicated than it should. In fact, even with inventions, we make things more complicated. But God knew in the fullness of time what was needed. Let's read this scripture together. It's found in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. And it's in your notes. This has been like the foundation of our scriptures for this series. Galatians 4, 4. Let's read this together. Ready? Go. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So God knew exactly at the right time when Jesus should come. Let's read Romans 5 verse 6. Ready? Go. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. He knew exactly when to come. He knew what he needed to do and he came with purpose. He didn't just come to exist to show us how good God is. He came with a purpose and he came to bring us closer to God. Jesus died for our sins At just the right time. See, we live in a world that drifts away from simplicity and we drift towards complexity. Just look at our recent years in in just our our modern day technology with video games. When one of the first video arcade games came out, I'm speaking to those that were kind of growing up in the 80s. This game came out and it was like phenomenal. It was super easy. 
I mean, it was difficult because we didn't know how to play it, but it was super easy. Basically, these aliens came down and you shot them. That's what you did. You just went through and, and you had these bunkers that protected you from the aliens bombing you. And then once in a while, you, have, you would have a flying saucer that came across and you would get more points. Very simple. And you know what the controls look like? You just had a joystick and a button. You move from left to right. There was no up and down. There was no spinning. There was, there was no front and back. It was just left to right and one button, fire. There was no, there was no plasma. There was no uh, grenade. There was no bombs like that. It was just pew, 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 pew. That's it. Flying saucer. That's it. It's just basically simple. But then you fast forward the tape and then Nintendo comes out and then you have more options and now you have Xbox and now this is what the controls look like now. It's no longer simple, it's more complex. From just two simple things to now over probably 20 options. That's what it is. And no longer is it just shoot the aliens or even in the games we play today with Madden or the Call of Duty franchise or Halo, you, you have all of these different options. But now you don't, you don't just want to end the game just real simple. You got to do like a 360 Tomahawk so that, oh, it's funner that way. A 360 Sniper, that's the only way you can win. It's like, what? why so complex? Now, some of you are lost. So let me just bring you back to home base. When you first got your television back in the day and they came out with the remote control. Remote control. This is what it looked like for our television. That's it. Two buttons. Very simple. Very simple. Two buttons. But no, our children got to say, Mom, you need cable. You need this. Dad, you should get this because you can get sports channels. And now our remote controls look like this. Yeah, that's what happens. Now it's what was supposed to be simple became complex. We didn't even have one remote. I mean, isn't it so frustrating? It's like, okay, let's turn on the TV. Oh, what is this? Which, which, which one turns on the TV? You know which one? You get up and you walk. And you press the button. You can't even find the button though. Some of the TVs, you got, it's touch screen. It's like, where, where's the button? You got to feel the whole screen. It's like, oh. Where are the things there? Where? I hate this TV. Like, throw them out already. It's so complex. I mean, now we have this thing called Xbox One. Some of you may have that. It's very simple. You walk in the house. Xbox on. And it turns on. You just talk. But then if, the, if there's too much noise, you're like, Xbox on. Xbox on. Oh. Xbox on. Xbox on. On. Oh, not plugged in. It's like, what is supposed to be simple is so complex now. Even staging homes, they, that's what they call it. When they're selling a home, they call it staging homes. It's no longer cluttered anymore. They, they take away all the clutter so that they can make the house look good. So they stage it. They put, they put nice pillows. They make the lighting good. They even light candles like it's going to always be lit 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They stage the home so it's a clutter-free home. So it looks simple. So that when you go to the house that you want to buy, it's like, ah, oh, this is where I want to live. Look, no more even mess. It's because you're not living there yet. Our house is full of clutter all over the counter. Our garages are full of clutter. It's, it's not, we, we don't have a simple life. And we stage homes 
that make it look simple, but we all know that life is not simple. It's cluttered. It's complex. Did you know that our Navy could probably save about a billion dollars a year by doing just one thing? And they could save on fuel and maintenance if one thing happened. If there were no barnacles attached to the hull of the ships. It costs about a billion dollars a year for our Navy to just clean and maintain the barnacles that slow down these ships. Now you might think, what? how can barnacles slow down a ship? Oh, when it starts piling on, it slows down the ship. But here's the thing. You cannot see the barnacles. They are under the surface of the water. And it takes a lot to clean those ships. And I thought... Lord, are there barnacles in our lives that attach to our souls that we cannot see, but it drags us down and it costs us in the long run? See, we want to learn how to be simple. How, how can Jesus give us some clues and some wisdom on how to make life simple again or live with simplicity? How can we be people who, like this one man said... This man, Charles Wagner, he was a pastor. He said, amid the confused relentlessness of modern life, our wearied minds dream of simplicity. You know when he said that? In 1895 in Paris, before we had our computers, before we had the kind of cars we have today, before cable television, before all the things that we see today as technology. We want things to be simple, yet we live in a world that does not drift towards simplicity. We may think, oh, no, this season is just complex right now. It's just a season. It'll, it'll go away. But we don't drift towards simplicity. We drift towards complexity. Most of our complexities come from actually not knowing how to say no. We say yes to everything, and then we're stuck with it, and other people have to suffer because we don't know how to say no. So pursuing simplicity is like trying to remove those barnacles and keep those barnacles off of our life. But we got to be proactive in guarding from that so that we move away from complexity and towards simplicity. So we're going to look at three simple ways how we can guard our life from complexity and how we can pursue simplicity. And the first way is this, to get crystal clear about our values and priorities. Get crystal clear about our values and priorities. In fact, today is almost like part two from last week when we talked about priorities. Today it's more uh, a little bit uh, under the surface of our soul so that we can become simple again, even in the world we live in. But to get crystal clear about our values and priorities, because when we, when we get crystal clear about our values and our priorities, then decisions become easier. Now, they may be still difficult to get there, but it takes time to actually develop the discipline of standing by our values and our priorities. We got to be the ones that take the initiative to sit down and look at our values and our priorities. Oh, yeah, it may not be easy, but it will bring simplicity. It will bring simplicity. When Jesus was with his disciples and they were traveling through this one town, there's a town called Samaria, and 
he met this woman at the well and he was asking her for a drink. And they had this conversation and, and Jesus told her everything about her life, about her past marriages, about the relationship that she's in right now. And the disciples went off to get something to eat. And so by the time they come back, they see Jesus talking with this woman. And they're wondering, why is he talking with this lady? Because Samaritans didn't like Jews. So the disciples are wondering, why, is, why are they having this conversation? And so they ask Jesus, oh, Jesus, here, you want something to eat? And he says, no. And they said, wait, wait a minute. Did you get something to eat already? I wonder if, I wonder if he ate. But Jesus responds with this in John chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Now, Jesus, when Jesus spoke to this woman, this woman went back to her village, her town, and said, Come see the man who told me everything about my life. And so the whole town came. And as the whole town is coming, the disciples are having this conversation with Jesus. And he says, look at the fields. They're ready for harvest. And the disciples look around. And because that town was nearby, some farm uh, areas, they looked at the wheat and the harvest. And they were like, okay. It's like Jesus was saying, no, you don't get it. I'm not talking about physical food. My food, my values, my priorities are to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his works. I'm talking about a spiritual harvest, not that kind of harvest. So he's saying to the disciples, lift up your eyes, look at all the people. This is our priority. This is our value. It's people. Unless you get crystal clear about your values and your priorities, you won't know what to say no to and you won't know what to say yes to. You'll just make decisions based on what feels good at that time. Simplicity isn't necessarily doing less or becoming less than. It's about using our priorities and our values to filter opportunities and options. It's like you already know the answer before you're faced with the options. You already know because you've made that decision. German artist Hans Hoffmann said the ability to simplify means to eliminate the unnecessary so the necessary can speak. We, we got to learn that though. It's not just a, a one-shot deal that we hear and then it, it's applied. We got to move towards that. And instead of me constantly playing the victim card of, oh, but so-and-so and this happened and, and my marriage and my finances, I got to stop all that and stop playing the victim card and start playing the victorious card and saying, wait a minute, Lord, you called me to be more than a conqueror. You're going to help me. You're going to give me the wisdom. You're going to help me through this season. You're going to be the one that shows me my values and my priorities so I know what to say no to and what to say yes to as well as how to go about that. Because it's not easy saying no. It's not easy because we feel needed. We feel we're going to let someone down. We feel like they're counting on us. And we said, you can count on me anytime. And then we're going to tell them, no, I don't think I can do that. I can't tell my friend no because he always helps me. She always helps me. So I cannot tell them no. We don't move towards simplicity. We drift from it. It's like Jesus is saying, hang on, you're, you're going to have to make some tough Decisions. In fact, that's our second point. Make the hard decisions. Make those hard decisions. 
even if you have to write down your values and your priorities and revisit them often. It's like maintenance for your car. Just revisit them often. And then let the Lord show you how you can make these tough decisions. I mean, isn't it true when we go to a restaurant that we normally go to, we don't eat anything else? We eat the same thing all the time. The waiter or waitress comes over and they say, hey, you're having that. Yep, that's what I'm having. We don't want to risk eating something else because we might be discouraged by it. We, we may feel like, oh, man, that thing was junk compared to what I usually eat. And so we stick to the basics. And then when we see a new menu or we go to a place we've never eaten, we don't know how to order. We look at our spouse, oh, what should I eat? I don't know, what do you want to eat? Uh, I don't know, I like to eat salad, but I never ate these ones before. And so it's so difficult just to make a decision to eat. In fact, we were at Bubba Gump's on the corner side the other week, and, and Heidi and I were there with some friends, and we thought, okay, we're going to eat, you know, here, and, and here are some things we want to eat. And they were trying to decide what to eat. They said, oh, we want this, we want this, oh, I really want to eat this. And I said, you know what, here's what we're going to do. Tell me what you want to eat, and I'll number it from one to three, and I'll put it in different orders, and then you pick a number. And so they're like, okay, good, this is a good game. I'm like, this is just food, but competitive, right? So there's not even a winner. So they did that. They picked it, and they're like, yay, but I really wanted the other thing. I'm like, oh, come on. So I thought, I wonder if there's an app for that. And there is. There is an app that you can download to your phone to make decisions. What you want to eat. And you log that in, and you spin a wheel. Oh, I'm going to eat this steak and shrimp. Everybody's like, yeah. They can even tell you what house you want to buy. If you have options, what house I'm going to buy, you log that in, you spin the wheel. Even dating, this person, this person, or this person. I got to choose. Ooh, I really like the other person. Well, too bad. The thing chose for you. You can even choose what name you're going to call your child. You know, we have all kinds of names nowadays. You spell it like with X, T, M, P, V, exclamation point, question mark. You're like, oh, it's a new name. Because you don't want the same name like a common name. So you put all these names in there, you spin it, and then it will choose for you. And I thought, has decisions become that difficult? We can't even decide. It's like, you know, I can go to my smartphone. Think about it, what we're saying. I'm going to my smartphone because I can't make the decision. It seems like it's easier but I thought, I wonder if it's because we just don't want to be responsible for the decision outcome. And so we become so complex because we don't know how to be simple anymore. We don't know how just to make a decision and be okay with it. To order food and if it's junk, then don't order it again. It's the only way we learn. But what Jesus was saying to his disciples was you're going to live in a complex world. You got to be alert. You got to look up. You got to know what's happening around you. So Jesus sends his disciples off by themselves, not with him. He's saying, okay, with everything you're learning, now go and minister to people. So they go off on this, like this tour, and they go minister to people. They heal people. They preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then they come back to Jesus. And in Luke 9.59, it's recorded, as the time drew near for him, Jesus, uh, for Jesus to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival, but the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, 
they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, so they went on to another village. See, the hardest part is having the courage to carry out the necessary decisions that will help you simplify. The, the, the disciples got upset because they came back and said, okay, Jesus, this is what we're going to do, right? And Jesus said, no, my, my face is set on Jerusalem. I came for a purpose. Yeah, it was great that you guys went out and you preached the gospel, but this is where we're going. This is where we're heading. And the disciples got so upset, they said, well, Jesus, should we just call fire and, and uh, destroy these people because they're not welcoming you? He said, no, 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 because I know my values, I know my priorities. And Jesus had to make the tough decision to say, I, I need to keep going. Because people continuously flocked toward Jesus. But there were times where he had to make the hard decision to say, no, I am resolutely set on Jerusalem. This is where I need to be. And some of us, we need to make those hard decisions to set our eyes, to set our face on what is important to us. What is our priority? Rather than leading it, leaving it up to an app. I mean, who's leading us now? What's going to lead us? It must be the spirit of the living God. Have the courage to execute based on the clarity that you've gotten about your priorities and your values. You need the courage to execute it very well. And you can only have clarity around your priorities when you understand that you're going to have to make some hard decisions. It's good to put it on a piece of paper, but to execute it and to actually make that hard decision is a completely other, it's a completely different life to live. It's now living a new way. But without the courage to make the necessary changes, you, you and I will not move towards simplicity. We need the courage to do so. To get very practical, it must be calendarized. In other words, it must be in our calendar. It, it has to be there. For Heidi and I, we have a date night. It's in my calendar. If something is coming up during our date night, then we have to switch it. We have to really think through where are we going to put that because it's a priority for us. Or we just do a date day or however it's going to work. All we know is we must have the date night there. It's a priority. It's a value to us. There's this famous East Coast uh, burger chain. It's called Five Guys because it was brothers. And the dad told them at, the, at an early age, I think it was in the 80s, he said, either go to college or start your own business. So they started this business and it just boomed. They have over a thousand of these restaurants uh, in our nation and Canada. But the question was asked to them, these five guys in our day today, would you, do you plan to add any more items to your menu, because all they do is burgers and fries, but they do their burgers very well, if any of you have eaten there. And they, had, they have all of these extra things that you can put on, mushrooms and cheese and, and uh, tomatoes and lettuce, so you can kind of duke it up. And so the question was asked, do you guys plan on adding anything to your menu? Here's what they said. Five Guys does not currently have plans to add any items to our menu. We follow the philosophy of focusing on a few items and serving them to the best of our ability. If we were to add to our menu, then you can guarantee that we will only do so if we could serve the highest quality product possible. 
For example, there are a lot of great milkshakes out there. And at this point, we think that others are doing it better than we could. They're so confident in who they are. They know their purpose. They know their values. And it's simple to them. Just keep making the best burger and fries. Hand-cut fries. Handmade hamburgers. We're all getting hungry. But that's what they do best. And they're okay with everyone else doing everything better. They're okay with that. And I thought, I think that's what brings me to a complex life. I'm not okay with being less better or not as good as someone else. Maybe that's my problem. Maybe I try to add more to my life because I think I got to be better so that people accept me. Or I got I to gotta do this, otherwise they're going to reject me. Or I have to behave like this, otherwise I'm not going to be accepted in the environment that I'm in. And so I try to do whatever I can to be what I'm not. And it only adds complexity to my life. And maybe I got to be okay with God loving me just the way I am. And loving me enough. To love me towards his very best. Maybe I got to be okay with how God wired me. That maybe, maybe God says, you're, you're, you're making your life complex. That you're adding all of these things onto your life because you think it's necessary. And maybe it's not. Maybe God is saying, I just want to have a simple relationship with you. Just simple. But you've complicated it. You made it so difficult that you feel so bad because you missed a day of your devotion. That, oh, I missed a day. I feel so bad. God is still there. He still loves you. Just get back into the word of God. See, we can complicate things because we add all of these things on, which actually helps us, but it can hinder us. That which started as help becomes a barnacle and now it hinders and it slows us down and drags us down. These guys are clear about their business and they're okay with it. They have clarity. Their focus is simple. Make a great burger. Jesus' focus is very simple on our lives. I'm going to make a great life. Start there and do this. Here's the last thing. Just perform Regular maintenance. Just perform regular maintenance. You and I live so quick that by the time it comes back to soul care, it's long gone. We, we don't even know how to get back to soul care. We don't know how or what it feels like to now not have a complex life. Because many of us must keep doing something. Listen, it's okay as you go through performing regular maintenance for a moment to not do anything. Oh, we can't even think about not doing anything. Some of us are just workaholics. We cannot not do anything because not doing anything says I'm not being productive. You can't just sit down. It's just so hard to just sit down and relax. It's, you can't. You must continuously do something. There's no possible way I can sit down and just do nothing. On the other hand, there are a lot of people who can just sit down and do nothing. And they say, no, I'm taking care of my soul. The pastor said soul care, so I'm going to do this for 40 days and just do nothing. 
But there is a purpose to it. It's not just to be lazy. It's actually taking time out for soul care. Practice the, here, here's a word I want to introduce to all of us. Practice the care and the maintenance of planned neglect. Planned neglect. Not in your children. You don't plan to neglect your children. People can call your house and visit you. You don't plan to neglect your children. There is a planned neglect that happens when it comes to maintenance. When Heidi and I first uh, got this thing called the Nintendo game system, we got it as a family and we wanted to play with it with our children. But slowly it crept into my life as the adult. And so I'll play on this thing all the time and, and, and Heidi would say, okay, enough, right? And I'm like, I'm playing with the kids. I'm playing with the kids. They're not even by me. I'm like, where are the kids? Where'd they go? Like I took over the whole game. And so one day I come home and I'm like, hey, Heidi, where's the Nintendo? She goes, oh, I hit it. I said, you what? She goes, yeah, I put it away. I said, well, why'd you do that? She goes, because you're on it too much. I said, I'm not on it too much. She goes, no, you are. I said, so what? What now? She goes, nothing? I said, can we bring it out? She goes, no. So is there any discussion? No, no discussion. Pow, done. I said, so what are we going to do? She goes, that's up to you. So I said, okay, kids, no more Nintendo. Let's go outside, throw rocks. Let's go find something to do. Let's go, let's go play outside like we used to. And that's what we did. And so as, from that day, I thought, this thing, because I know my weakness. That is one of my weaknesses. I love games, Str especially strategy, strategic games, uh, games that, that you can, you can you know, connect with others. And, and, and so that's, that's a weakness. But I remember from that day forward, I thought, I, I, I got to really, I got to simplify this. I, can't, I cannot just have this take my time away from other things that I could be doing. I had to plan to neglect that. My nephew came to visit us uh, this past week and he had this one game he was playing and I kind of peeked over and I said, hey, what is that? Clash of Clans. He said, yeah. So it's a game they have on this phone. So he said, do you have one, uncle? And I remember someone put it on my phone, was one of the, the youth or someone. And I said, yeah, I do. And I figure we can connect. So he, he checks on my Clash of Clans thing and you build these towns and you go and do battle and, and all of that. So he looks at mine, he goes, wow, you need help. And I said, I don't even play this thing. But because we were there, we could connect. And he said, uncle, why don't you have this game? And, I, and this is what I told him. I said, because I know my weakness. And if I put these games on my phone, I'm stuck. I am stuck. So I'm confessing to all of you, that is my weakness. When it comes to gaming, I can be on that thing for days. I can. And some of you can probably relate. And so I purposefully don't put that because I plan neglect. I plan it. I can try it, but it's like, okay, I put it on the side already. I feel like it's an addiction after a while. So I just I did eliminate that thing. In February, I took off Facebook and Instagram from my phone. Just never went back on. And I just don't need it. I had to simplify it just is so much easier. For me, you can do whatever you want. You ask the Lord how to simplify, how to perform regular maintenance. You ask him. And I guarantee you, he will speak 
so purposefully that you will feel a difference in your life to be simple. That's what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. I want to use this, uh, this formula, I guess. And if you want to write this down, you can. It's actually three C's. Clarity. It's not going to be on this screen, so I'll repeat it. Clarity plus courage. Clarity plus courage. Plus calendar. So clarity plus courage plus calendar equals simplicity. You're going to need all those three. You're going to need courage to apply what you're clear about with your values and priorities. And then you're going to have to put it in your calendar. Somehow it has to go on your schedule. That how am I going to have planned neglect as well as planned time or, 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 or give attention to my values and priorities. And then it will equal simplicity. When Jesus did tell his disciples, go into all the world, go preach the gospel, go cast out demons, go do all these things. And they went on that tour. They came back to Jesus to report to him all the things that happened. In Mark chapter 6 verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, that's awesome. Let's gather all the people together and let's write a book and let's do some signing. Let's take some pictures. And let's post it because this is what we did. We had this tour. This is what we did. And, and, but, but Jesus didn't say that. It's not what he said. I mean, because it would almost seem like that for our day today. That when these things happen, great things happen. We're going to do something else that attaches it, itself to that. We're going to do something that connects to something great that we did. And although what the disciples did were great, Jesus knew at the exact time, what specifically was needed for that moment. And so Jesus said to his disciples, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles did not even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be, what's the word? Alone. Now some of us are alone and we want people around us and that's a different story. But some of us don't know how to be alone. Because we thrive on busyness. We thrive on the crowds and people being around us. But Jesus said to the disciples, yeah, all the people are coming. And yes, they are a priority. But I can see you guys need to be alone. You need to be in a quiet place. And so he withdrew them to a quiet place. When we visited our son Jordan in Oregon, uh, we celebrated his 21st birthday with him. And he said, I want to go to a place that I've always wanted to go. But because I don't have a car, can you drive me there? It was about a five-hour drive. It's not that bad. It's like going to Kona and back and going Hamako Coastway and some traffic. You know, not that bad. So we did. We got up to this place called Crater Lake. This is what it looks like. It's beautiful. And he planned to be there at 2.30 in the morning. So he got out there and he started taking pictures. And this is about, about 3.30 in the morning. And it was overcast and the, there was a full moon. But while he's taking pictures and setting everything up, I stopped and tried to listen for, you know, 
animals because my friend told me there's mountain lions and bears. I'm like, what? We just get mongoose and I'm already afraid of mongoose. We get mountain lions. So we're being quiet. And have you been in a place that there's absolutely no sound? There's just no sound. Absolutely quiet. That's what it was up there. It was just absolutely quiet. And so I, I wasn't used to that sound and it felt a little weird. So I paused a little bit trying to make sense of everything. And what I noticed was that in the stillness, I still had distractions in my mind. I still was thinking about things. I couldn't, I couldn't even wrap my mind around the stillness of what was happening. Here's how the Bible says it in Psalm 46.10. Many of us have heard this before. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heavens. I will be exalted in the earth. In other words, being still means you got to cease from striving. You actually eliminate distractions so God can speak. So that we get to know God. We don't become still because we get to know God. Or we don't become still when we get to know God. We get to know God when we become still. This is what Jesus did. Luke 5, 16, Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. He purposefully went to the desert for the purpose of maintenance, prayed to the Father, and that was more effective than anything else. Jesus knew he needed to take time out to maintain his soul. For some of us, we don't purposefully go to the wilderness or the desert to be still. We actually end up there because we never took time out to maintain our soul. And Jesus said, you've got to do that on purpose. We put some questions in your bulletin or in your notes so that you could ask yourself these questions. Does your life feel more like a staged home or a cluttered garage? What are the barnacles that work against simplicity in your life? Or what would simplicity look like for you? What is the unnecessary that you need to eliminate so that the necessary can speak in your life? Those are just questions you can ponder on and, and really think through. How will this help my life? Even next week, our Father's Day, service times, very simple. 7, 9, 11. 7, 9, and 11. Very simple to remember. In fact, part of our vision of, of Father's Day is that it would be the highest attended service out of our entire year. Why? Because if God gets the hearts of the fathers, the world changes. It's that simple. No, my wife, she's the spiritual. No, she's not the spiritual head of the house. She wasn't designed to be the spiritual head of the house. She may have become that, but she's not designed for that. The fathers and the men are designed to be the spiritual heads of the household. It doesn't mean that you come home and say, okay, I'm the spiritual head of the household, so whatever I say, you got to do. <laughs> what it means is where the head goes, the entire body follows. So as the spiritual head of the household, that means my obedience to God is very key. So Father's Day is very important that we want all of us as fathers to learn from God so that we can lead our families. And I believe in the fathers. I believe in you. I believe that God has called you to be a father. I believe he's called you to be the husband, to be the man of the household for spiritual guidance. Yeah, but I don't know as much as my wife. I don't know as much. That's okay. She can help you in the guidance. That's why you're called a team. 
you work together in serving God. I love how Jesus helps us with simplicity and the burdens of life. He said this, and here's our final scripture I want to read to us. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all who are weary, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's time for simplicity. I say, let's just learn from Jesus. The best model, best person to learn from when it comes to simplicity or any other thing. Because when we come to him, his burden is very, very light. Let's bow our heads as we pray and conclude this morning. Lord, I pray for all of us that as we purposefully move towards simplicity, that we would have the courage to make those hard decisions. That when we put together our, our, our values and priorities, that we will be able to visualize what simplicity looks like. And even though life may be complex because we've, we've maybe drifted into that area, you're able to give us a burden that is so much lighter. So with all the pain and all the hurt, Lord, can you remove that, heal us, cleanse us, mold us and shape us to look more like you. Bring simplicity back to our lives, Lord. And make us the kinds of people that you know we can be. As we perform regular maintenance, you're going to do soul care. Not everybody's going to understand, Lord. But it's what's best for our souls. And so we thank you for being the one to bring simplicity to our lives. We pray this in your humble name. And we all said, Amen.